Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have a stellar guest today. All of our guests, I say this every episode, all of our guests are amazing, and the streak continues. Today, we have Priestess Grail Corsini Valandar of the Goddess Temple of Ashland, and we're going to talk to her in just a second. But I need you to do something for me. Go to waveblock.com. That is waveblock.com. And there you will find EMF shielding stickers for your Apple iPhones and your Apple AirPods. These stickers adhere to your Apple Bluetooth AirPods, your Apple iPhones of various sizes, and they reflect EMF frequencies, these electromagnetic frequencies away from your body that cause damage. There have been incredible studies. There is a lot of information out there about how this type of radiation and radiation in general damages human physiology. I often think about those Bluetooth AirPods right there up against the lymph nodes pushing that microwave radiation into the lymph nodes, just into the lymphatic system, affecting the immune system. Younger people who are using these devices are even more susceptible. Their skulls are thinner. They're more susceptible to this type of radiation. And you need to do what you can to protect yourself. This company has created products to protect you. They protect us. We have to keep ourselves safe in this age of infinite devices that are broadcasting these damaging frequencies. We have to do what we can when we can. So go to waveblock.com. You can see the five-star reviews. You can see the videos that show the functionality. And you can see lab reports that also detail exactly what they've learned testing these products. We have a 20% off discount code. It is the word midnight. M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. That will get you 20% off your order. Android users, they have gift cards. You know people that use these products. You want to protect them as well. And I just think about constantly, of course, when I see pregnant women with these devices in their waist strap, not only affecting themselves, but also affecting the unborn child. I see women put them in their bras, We know there's an epidemic of breast cancer out there, and and these devices contribute to that, I believe. Men, you're putting them in your pocket. Of course, you have to be protected as well. There's so much going on in the realm of how this radiation is damaging to the human body. Go look up SAR, the SAR rating. Figure out what that is, and that'll just lead you down a rabbit hole. So everyone, especially my Apple users, my Apple product Users out there, go to wavelock.com, use the 20% off code MIDNIGHT and protect yourself. Again, that's waveblock.com, waveblock.com. And also check out Blue Cobra CBD, the highest quality CBD oil ever created on earth. 
The reason that this is, is because it was created by a man named Howard Hitt using his own proprietary method, the Hitt extraction method. He's also known as Big H to his friends. And this CBD oil is unlike any other CBD oil created. It's 100% organic. It uses 100% organic Oregon-grown hemp. Everything about it is organic and natural. The process, of course, is natural. The hit extraction method, no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. Literally, there is no other product like this on the market. It has incredible health benefits. I love it. I try to take it as often as possible, to be honest. And, of course, I bring this up. Howard believes. I can't say this. I'm just reporting on this, but Howard believes the oil he created cured his cancer because he took it while he had cancer and he saw the doctors just being shocked at his forward progression. He's given it to other cancer patients, he claims, that have benefited from this, including a person with stage four cancer. He has the maximum strength King Cobra, regular strength little King Cobra and wild thing CBD for pets. Definitely check that out. We have a code as well for Blue Cobra CBD, and that code is Big H, B I G, the letter H, Big H, and that will get you free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States, anywhere in America. International listeners, of course, check with Howard to see if your country's laws correspond with what his product entails. Just to make sure you're safe, you can contact Howard directly via bluecobracbd.com in the contact section. He even has his phone number. You can call him and talk to him. Find out about this. I love it. Everyone, if you've been wanting to try a CBD product and you don't know where to go because there's so much out there, this is the highest quality out there. This is chemical and solvent and gas-free. It's the most complete CBD product i've ever used so bluecobracbd.com check it out bluecobracbd.com and when you're done with that follow me on instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth that is the address you can go there follow us spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher Podchaser, there's so many out there now. Wherever you go to get your podcast, click the button that connects us so you get the information instantly. You get that notification when we release an episode, when someone incredible comes on, like our guests, all of our incredible guests. When they come on, you know about it instantly. And I will remind you again, like every episode, tell a friend. Tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts that would love to hear about the goddess temple in Ashland and what Grail has to bring to the table here. It's going to be incredible. You know those people well. Tell them. Midnightonearth.com And now we are going to talk to Grail. But first, as usual, we read the bio of our guests. So here we go. Priestess Grail Corsini Valandar is a devotional priestess of the goddess, a Mary Morgan clan member, workshop and retreat facilitator, Magda midwife of the veils as priestess, birth, sacred union, 
and death attendant, goddess temple raiser, and a ceremonial dance performer. Her grounded practicality fuses with walking the path of sacred living in the most epic mythic existence. She raises the god and goddess within you. Grail is the founder and director of the Goddess Temple of Ashland, Oregon, USA, and has supported raising goddess temples all around the world. Grail has been intimately involved in the Goddess Conference of Glastonbury, UK since 2006. She annually serves the Glastonbury Goddess Temple in any way needed, as well as Tempio della Grande Dia of Rome, Italy. Both temples are the first of their kind in their location to be raised in over 2,000 years. It's pretty impressive. Grail offers temple dances and heart songs to link sacred sites and provides an invocation to the sacred geometry of the etheric round table. She inspires reclaiming the mythos into divine union of all as sovereign in choice of spiritual path and creating a holy balance of the Christ Magdalene archetype, which overlays Avalonian lore. All transmissions Grail gifts us have the innate ability to awaken dormant codes and activate your authentic, humble, honest, pure heart to its true nature and to inspire your primal rootsy aspect of self that yearns for expression. Wow. What an incredible bio. Grail, how are you doing today? Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jake. I'm super honored and I'm really excited to share with you what's been happening in my life and what got me to this place. But I just want to say that feeling the blessings of spring has been so delightful. Yes, especially in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's really the, the pulse of the the fruit blossoms, the, the, you know, the, the plum trees blossoming all around me and the grass just growing an inch in evening. You know, I just I, I just feel so uh, amplified by the energies of spring. And so that's like in total radical honesty how I feel right now. Well, I think that you are in sync with the natural earth energy. And as that blossoming happens, that opening that happens in spring, the revival, it, it's so powerful. It's an energy field. I think you're just tapping into that. Absolutely. I completely agree. So we're here. I would love to share with people what the goddess concept is, because it's a term that gets thrown around quite a bit in spiritual, metaphysical, new age circles. Sometimes a man will describe his partner or a beautiful woman as a goddess. And then we hear about the gods and goddesses of maybe ancient Greece, ancient Rome, or the Hindu pantheon. But it's so much more than that. I want to help people understand what the concept of the goddess is. So can, can we start there? What is, what is the goddess to you? Sure. Well, in my personal experience, when people, you know, kind of label me as a goddess or I'm walking up to the goddess temple and they're like, and here's the goddess herself, Lady Grail. 
you know, I that is not actually what is a comfort level for me. I am a dedicated priestess of the goddess. I made my vows on the Holy Isle of Avalon in Glastonbury, England. And my experience with the goddess is directly connected to the elements of earth, air, fire, and water, for without which we would not be. And the the goddess as a generator, organizer, destroyer, and rebirther, that the energies of this empowered uh, essence that runs through the seasons, that runs through life on planet Earth, and as a dedicated priestess of the goddess, I am in service to serve, protect, and provide for the many aspects of life unfolding. And so, yes, of course, we have these goddesses that are part of mythological teachings of Greece and Rome, and of course, many cultures. And as we acknowledge those original teachings, we get to really acknowledge within ourselves the psychology in all of it. You know, it's, it's just these goddesses are representing aspects of ourselves. Right. And if we are going to worship a specific goddess that has specific characteristics, we are hoping to invite them ourselves. And sometimes there's that, there's either a power over or a power with mentality. And the way that I work with the goddess, it's that I have a direct communion with embodiment practices with the goddess, that the goddess is not outside of myself Yet, I am in full awareness that I am in service to the pulse of life mm. that she, the divine feminine aspect of generator, organizer, destroyer, and rebirther ensues. Wow. So, really, it is just the force of life itself and embodiment and understanding of that creative power, but it's being filtered through the divine feminine. Would you say that that is accurate? That is absolutely accurate. Wow. Excellent. 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 So what led you to this discovery? I mean, you were a child. I'm sure you had a conventional childhood for the most part. But this is deep spiritual understanding. So what, what, what led you to this? How did you develop this understanding? Yeah, well, in 1965, I was born into a very Catholic Italian East Coast family. Okay. <laughs> I, I felt and, that, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I really learned how to pray. Let me tell you, I really <laughs> learned how to pray in Catholic Church. And I was really enamored by Mother Mary. 
And, uh, with, you know, like if you could imagine, you know, like the seven year old girl on her knees, lighting candles and praying the rosary at the mother Mary statue, you know, that was me when I made my Holy communion, you know, I remember clearly like walking down the aisle in my beautiful gown that had printed roses on it with a flower head wreath on my head, holding a chalice walking towards the altar, you know, at seven years old and just being like, this is my jam. Like, this is, <laughs> this is like, this is, that's, this is why I came. I remember this. I remember this. And it was just so natural to me to be in devotion, to feel comfortable in sacred ritual in that way. And, you know, and as I got a little bit older, um, I remember feeling really strong listening to homilies about like certain things not really vibing with me. Like not, I'm like, no, it wasn't really like that. Like, mm, no, I don't think that Mary Magdalene did that. You know, like there were just these things, you know, and this is like way before Mary Magdalene was like a global household name. Right. You know, this is, you know, in the early 60s and 70s. And so you felt uh, that, sorry, just to back you up there, you felt that the stories, the biblical stories of Mary Magdalene, are you talking about Mary, mother of Jesus? Are you talking about Mary Magdalene, one of the disciples? I get those confused. I, I, I just switched over from Mother Mary to Mary Magdalene. Okay, that's, yes. And Mary Magdalene was believed to be a prostitute. And you're saying that you intuitively felt that that was untrue. I don't believe that to be true, but you felt that as a child before this was even mainstream or even talked about publicly that you felt that intuitively. I did. I did. And I brought it up to my parents. I mean, at that time, I actually, I don't think this now, but this is the way that the opening of the memory of her came through was just like, I said to my parents, I'm like, I think I was Mary Magdalene. You know, and that my dad was like literally like the classic New York kind of like strong accent. Great, my daughter thinks she's the whore in the Bible. You know, like dad, no, it's not like no, like you don't understand. You know, and I and I didn't really even know how to explain, you know, because I had such an like an intimate relationship with Jesus and Mary, Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene from a very young age. But I didn't know how to explain it. I really didn't know how. And so as time went on, as it does, Jake, and I decided at some point in my teenagehood to go into the underworld and no longer attend church and um, <laughs> uh, discover other aspects of life. Um, yeah, I, in those really crazy moments, while uh, my life was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I still said the rosary every night before going to bed. And I still had my rosary ring in my purse. So you still felt that connection. Oh my gosh. Felt that connection. And like, Oh my God, Mary, Jesus, Magdalene, please help me get out of this situation safely. Wow. Okay. You know, like, like insane situations that I chose for myself 
to have my growth period at that time. And so, yeah, I still kept really, really strong with that. And then, you know, as years passed, as I like, I went to college in Boston, I had my dance and acting career in LA. Um, I started to, oh, you know, what happened is my grandmother, my father's mother crossed over and she left me the exact amount of money uh, for a kind of like a retreat that I sort of heard about, you know, like I was at a friend's house, I was looking through whole earth magazine. Um, and I did never saw anything like that. Again, I was just like really involved in the whole like wild LA scene, you know, like with, <laughs> with fans and, you know, and oh, wow. auditioning for movies and television constantly. And, you know, I was just, I, I was all over the place. I even was a Disney dancer. I danced for the queen Mary ship. I, wow. I did like, I had my SAG card, you know, I did all kinds of stuff. And wait and a I second, heard- just to back you up there. What was the name of the ship again? <laughs> the queen mary isn't that interesting mary shows up again oh yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah i just caught that i'm sorry i just wanted to hone in on that but go ahead please continue yeah yeah so there was so many codes being like downloaded downloaded to like get me into the direction get me into get my memory installed right right and um so with this when my grandmother crossed, she didn't have a lot of money. I mean, and I, I can't really remember how much she left me. I think it was $350. And I had heard about Sun, Sun Bear's medicine wheel gathering out in Joshua Tree, just through like fingering through the whole lifetime. So that's what it was. And I was like, I don't know why that I was just like, and I just tore it out, put it on my refrigerator, completely forgot about it. My grandmother crosses, I get 350 bucks and it's the exact, you know, amount, you know, whatever the number was, but what, what it was for that gathering. And I called, I had already been living in LA for five years, completely immersed in the insanity. And I didn't like me driving out of LA to go to Joshua tree was a massive, huge thing for me to even consider doing. And I had never done anything like that. And I called and I asked if I could still register. And they're like, absolutely. And I show up and I'm like a full-blown city girl. You know, like I'm from New York. I went to college in Boston. I had my career in LA. And now I'm like in Joshua Tree. Quite <laughs> the juxtaposition. Like, right. Like Sun Bear's medicine wheel gathering. I have no idea what it even means. And, you know, the first thing that happens, you know, is they have like a fire and a drum jam circle. And I'm like so city. I don't want to take off my shoes because they're really expensive and they're designer. I don't want anybody to steal my shoes. And I, but everybody else is barefoot, you know, and I'm like <laughs> trying to figure out how to be cool, you know. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah. And 
And then the story, like, fast forward to, like, I completely blast wide open. Like, I have my first telepathic experience. I have my first outer body experience. I, I'm, like, driving home from that experience that whole, uh, like, I think it was a five day gathering. I'm driving home. And on the way home, I am completely visited by a mothership. Uh, I go from being visited by a mothership to staying in my room for days on end, not able to leave until my boyfriend picks me up, brings me to his place. Uh, and, in the middle of the night, the ceiling opens and my starseed family visits. And oh, my God. Head. And then for the entire month of October, I have extraterrestrial visitations for the entire month. So so um, tell me about the starship, though. That's so much. That was a lot in that little <laughs> cluster yeah, of words there. But tell me about the starship experience. I mean, this is your first time. You just, you are like you said, you're a city person. You've been kind of in that frequency. You go to this retreat that's far different than what your previous frequency was. And then you're seeing a starship after this? Yeah. So tell yeah. me about that a little bit. How did you see the well, starship? What is the story there? Because I know there's a big story there. Okay, yeah. Well, first of all, I didn't even like, I, I wasn't, you know, like there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I want to be visited by a ship. Yeah. You know, or they go out, you know, and they go out and they like look at the skies, you know, they meet with a group and they do meditations. You know, like there, that was so not in my field. I didn't even know that like people would want to be visited by you. you (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was driving home really late and I'm on the freeway and I was gifted a drum when I was at the gathering and I was playing the drum and I was singing uh, Native American songs that were like that happened at that gathering because there was like all these beautiful indigenous people and drum jams and, you know, like a lot of stuff that I learned while I was there. So I was just doing my drum while I'm driving and there's this all of a sudden a massive starship, like massive like in like across the whole freeway kind oh of thing God. And I, I hit my brakes because i think i'm gonna slam into it because i don't understand meanwhile super clarity i did not do any plant medicine so you're sober not. as sober as the yeah. day is long as they say the whole the whole time there was there was no plant medicine offered there was no Kool-Aid okay. offer. You know, <laughs> like I was completely, completely altered by ceremony, you know, and and I I thought like again, I, I, I hit the, the brakes because I think I'm gonna slam into it and I actually go through it. What? And I I know Whoa. from that experience, I know what it is to have space between myself. I have total understanding of what it is to have my hand go through something solid or something solid to go through me. So when you're passing through the ship, were you able to comprehend visually any kind of the, anything happening on the periphery as you're going through it? Or was it just kind of this color blur and then you're on the other side? Yeah. It it was more like that. Okay. And I was like, holy shit. I bet. (laughs) Jesus. 
right? And so then I'm like continuing to go and I'm trying to like grok what just happened. And then the next thing is a massive meditating Buddha, like massive. And the same thing happens. And meanwhile, I swear, I didn't even know what Buddha, who Buddha, like, I didn't even know that that was Buddha then, you know, like I, 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 come you know as as the story goes you know like i begin to unravel and understand what i saw and so the same thing i went through buddha and then i'm just like really freaking out at this point and then the next thing i go through are massive wings not the body of a bird but definitely bird wings and the same thing oh. massive and i like I okay. I've got to get off the freeway. I've I got to get help. Something's happening. They slit me something. Oh. You know like, what's happening? I'm like completely losing it. I can every time I try to get off the freeway, I can't get off. You know, like it's the classic, like right out of a movie. Like my the the steering wheel won't turn, and I'm like okay. And so the only exit I could get off was the exit to my home in Park La Brea in LA and I get off I go straight up to my apartment I lived with a whole bunch of people wild wild apartment like a two bedroom apartment where loads of people live sure. there and I just I happened to have one of the bedrooms thank the goddess and I just went straight into my room I couldn't get in my bed I couldn't change my clothes for at least three days. I definitely, I, I, I don't recall eating. I'm sure I went to the bathroom, but I don't have a strong recall of that. So can, I, would you say good. that what happened to you at Joshua Tree was a third eye opening experience? It seems like you had your third eye just ripped open for the first time, even though you probably had experiences earlier, like you said, with the intuitive feelings with, with Mary and Jesus. But this is, pretty profound and then that allowed you to access some of that information that was coming from those higher dimensions which then helped to transform you because it was your path you are totally correct because when my boyfriend at that time took me like literally came in because my housemate called him and said like somebody needs to help her he showed up scooped me up, brought me to his place. And that night when the ceiling opened and I was apparently saying in with my you know, eyes closed, the fairy people are here. The fairy people are here. That's what I called them. And my boyfriend like, you know, shook me kind of like wake me up. And he's just like, who are the fairy people? I'm like, oh my God, did you see them? And he's like, no. And I said, the ceiling opened and these like incredible blue long beings put something in my forehead. Holy shit. That's, that's when the implant happened in my third eye. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. You are, first of all, what an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. And I just want to point out that you are not the first person that has said that that experience has happened to them. In fact, we had a previous guest, Elena Danan, who talks extensively about her Pleiadian experience uh, several months ago, who described something very, very similar. This is wow. mind blowing. Wow. Yeah. And I, I honestly have not told I think I've maybe publicly shared this story once. Oh my God. The priest, you know, the, the priestess 
and yeah, and one of the reasons in my college, um, sometimes it comes up, you know, I don't talk about it too much for a couple of reasons, you know, like one, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that like, don't really believe stuff like this, you know? And the other thing is that it was so crazy powerful. Like I can't, I can't like really give it the magnificence that it deserves. Because the language so, just isn't there. Yeah. You, you just, you can't describe what's happening. And then, you know, for every single day for the whole month of October, which is really fascinating also because in the months of October, like the, the time of Samhain and the time of Beltane is when the veils are the thinnest. And so I find it really fascinating that it was that whole time, the whole month of October, wow. that every single day I was being visited. And it would be either something super, very supernatural during the day that would happen, or at nighttime, I would be visited again. And it's not a dream. It's totally, totally different than a dream. Yes. And it's, it's almost more lucid. real than real, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's not lucid dreaming. It is like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like a visitation that happens. I mean, you know, and then sometimes they would overlap into like into the waking time where like I would in when I'd be asleep at night, I would be walking like up a hill and then a fleet of starships would go overhead and I would jump into the bushes and the 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 fleet would like you know brick like just like they literally say, you know, just like you can't really hide from us. Yeah. We see you everywhere. And then I would just like, boom, be up on the ship. Oh or, my God. Um, or like I would be in my dream time, I would be driving and a fleet of ships would come over and one would skim my car and I would stop my car, get out and then meet them like outside of my car. And then the next day I'm driving to work and literally like I'm on the freeway and all of a sudden my car just goes and like loses energy, like in the dream time. And it just like, I was, t I would, it, it's as if the car ran out of gas, but it didn't. I had plenty of gas. I mean, while I'm on the freeway and that happens, which is not great in LA, of course. Right. And, um, and I'm looking around like crazy, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, there has to be a star fleet over me. Like, I can't see it with my open eyes right now, but this is like completely repeating what happened in the dream time last night. And I, then I, the car starts again and I end up pulling off and I'm like, okay, please guide me. And then I get guided to this place that has all these like crazy ancient statues uh, I get guided to this place that has all these ancient statues and I walk to this one statue and have this full on experience that this is a statue of a person that was my mother in a past life. Mm. And I'm talking to her like I'm just like channeling, talking to her and a spider comes crawling out of her eye. Oh, my God. It's a stone statue. And a, a live spider comes crawling out of her eye. I'm just like, you know, I was tripping so hard on the experience. You know, like, obviously, I was not tripping yes. any plant medicine or LSD or nothing. But, like, 
I was just like, meanwhile, I was a dancer for Disney and like the queen, I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I'm a tap dancer. That was my job, a tap dancer on the queen Mary ship. So you had a so, very conventional life. This is all coming yeah, from what you would consider. Totally. Most people would consider a very conventional life, a very conventional upbringing. Yes. Um, yeah. And then you're <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> I mean, this is clearly a definite shift. It's, it's mind blowing. And like you were saying, all of this happened after you got that implant, that third eye implant from your star seed family, it really started to kick up after that. Yeah. And so then yeah, how does like, that segue into the goddess understanding? Because now this is something that's beyond God and goddess. This is, this is even beyond earth. This is multidimensional and really just in sync with source. So then what led you then even into that path after having that experience? Okay, well, next chapter, I go on a camping trip. My next, like, big, at, like, leaving L.A., you know, thing was to go on a camping trip with some friends, not even, like, anywhere major. We went to the Angeles Crest Forest, you know, of Los Angeles. The Angeles Crest Forest, and we uh, smoked mushrooms. Oh, like psilocybin mushrooms. I don't, I don't like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not recommending it to anybody out there. Like waiver, waiver, waiver. But like, <laughs> I, I guess we were so clueless. We didn't know you were supposed to eat them. <laughs> it sounds like it worked though. <laughs> I went on a journey beyond measure. Wow. <laughs> beyond, beyond measure. And I found on my journey, um, many, many different things happened. Uh, one, I transported to an ancient time, which I will name now was Avalon, but I didn't know then. And I was transported to a time where I was around a fire and I was chosen at the fire. I was brought to like this kind of Bedouin tent where there was a stone slab there and I was prepared for sacrifice. And, um, but it maybe wasn't sacrifice, but whatever it was, that's the word that I could use then. And a person wearing, uh, antlers came in and entered me and I died. Oh my and God. I also just like my experience of um, having something go through me uh, in my extraterrestrial experience. I have a direct understanding, understanding of what it's like when you die, when you're like leaving your body and, and the whole time it was happening over and over in my head, I was going, this is what it's like when you die. This is what it's like when you die. This is what it's like when you die. And then like, boom, everything went to light. And then I slammed back into my body while I was still on the mushroom journey and like kind of came to and was like, whoa, and I just started walking. And on my, the path on, in the forest, there was this like a road and on the road, there was this VW bus that was abandoned. And I opened the door and I sat at the driver's seat, put my hands on the wheel and saw my whole life flash before me and got super clear. Everything's changing. You're, you're like, everything's changing. And this bus is yours and it's going to be your magic bus and you're going to go on a new journey. 
And the next day, I saw some random people walking and I'm like, hey, do you know who owns that VW bus? And the guy's like, yeah, my friend in Alaska. I swear to you. Like, what? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, really? Can I have its phone number? And he's like, yeah, sure. He gives me his phone number. And I'm talking this bus was abandoned, like abandoned where there was like fall leaves in it. Whoa. So it's been there forever. It's been there for a long time. And so I call this person in Alaska and I'm like, hey, I want your bus. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Just send me some money and I'll send you the keys and the title. Literally. And I'm like, okay. I sent him cash in the mail. (laughs) He sent sent me the bus and the key. I mean, excuse me. He sent me the keys and and the title. I had it towed out. I had the entire thing cleaned out the schematics of the um the electrical system redone i had the uh engine a new engine put in and i went on tour with the grateful dead on what year was this (laughs) uh 1991 oh that was such a great year post brent but still just crushing it especially the vince and bruce hornsby shows the vince and bruce together it's like whoa it was amazing and I like, and then I became, I, st- the, you know, uh, have you ever seen like macrame hemp jewelry? Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, I started that entire thing. The hemp necklaces and the, the hemp crush, yeah. the, and yeah. that became I, a very started, big trend. Yeah. I, if, if I knew anything about copywriting and trademarking, I'd be a trillionaire right now, but I knew nothing. I was a hippie chick on dead tour and I, the, Jack Herrera was wrote his book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Uh, one of our tribe members came back to me. We were living on the beach in Ocean Beach, San Diego. Uh, he, I was the jewelry maker of our little tribe. And he's like, oh, my God, look, we have like hemp twine. What can you do with this? I'm like, OK, I remember learning macrame in, in Girl Scouts. Like, let me see. I, maybe I can make jewelry with this. And I started making just like boards and boards and boards of hemp chokers and standing on dead lot, you know, singing out hemp chokers for hemp smokers. <laughs> and, uh, so and it was you. Are you telling me you, it was you that started hemp necklaces in the counterculture Grateful Dead community? Like, and, and which, of course, spread worldwide. Worldwide. And then and it all started with you. Yeah, it all started with me, I swear. And then also... Oh, my um, goddess. And and then uh, my my housemate joined me because she was really, really crafty. And she was the first to dye the hemp and make colors. Now you could buy it colored. Yes. But we used to to dye it in our um, bathtub in L.A. uh, to make colored hemp jewelry. Hey, I just want to say I was a teenager that loved my hemp necklace that was made yep. locally in Eugene, Oregon by some great yep. local crafters. It all came from your mind, but it's yep. just, uh, it's, I just want, you know, I participated in your, uh, your creation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were beautiful. You know, they looked beautiful once people started adding the beads and then the glass yep. beads and then the tourmalines and the, it just got so gorgeous. And then, you know, you'd totally. see the person with like 12 of them. You know? yes. and, then it, we, and then we made them for pets. Oh, I yes, of course. The yes. Whole, whole thing for the pets. 
Yeah. Wow. Little side journey there. That's just amazing. Well, it's, it's so powerful. You know, this is, could be a whole other podcast, but it's so powerful. (laughs) The effect that the Grateful Dead community had on the earth, counterculture, spiritual development, metaphysics, everywhere. It was spread like wildfire. It was truly a traveling mystery school in itself. Truly, truly. And then on top of that, I started attending rainbow gatherings. Whoa, which is a whole different level. Whole other, whole other. And so, so how this like, okay, where does priestessing come in with all of this? Well, because of who I naturally am and because I have such natural devotion and because I am such a natural counselor and because I'm so natural at praying that like what just naturally started happening was that people just started coming to me for everything from will you be there for my childbirth to my daughter just got her first uh, moon, you know, her first period. Will you help? Like, will you help her? Or um, and then on top of that, the also the other thing that me and my dear friend Peter Belt started was a on Grateful Dead tour and at Rainbow Gatherings was sharing the sacredness of women's moon time, the sacredness of their blood. Uh-huh. And we we made washable flannel moon catcher pads for women to catch their blood in a flannel pad, soak it in water and feed their blood and water to nature for <sighs> in ceremony. And that was also an entirely new concept that was not happening before and so those two things you know was like a part of that was so huge within my own awakening as well like pre, uh, my friend peter belt is a priest of isis which i also didn't really understand what that meant either but that was also in total honor and respect of the divine feminine and so he was teaching me many ways, including how to celebrate the Celtic holy days. And then next thing you know, people are asking me to hold sister circles, women's circles, but they we didn't even call them sister circles then. We didn't call them women's circles then. It was just like, hey, can a bunch of us girls get together and Grail, you teach us about being a sacred woman, you know? Wow. And that's just like where that was happening. And then I'm just like, whoa. And next thing you know, you know, I am leading these circles. So you're doing the goddess work. I mean, it it seems like it came naturally. It it, it had took on a life of its own and chose you to be the transmitter, the avatar for that. Completely chose me to be the absolute transmitter and avatar for it and i was just like okay and then i'm opening more and more and then of course how does it happen the universe opens and sees the direction that you're clearly stepping into so all these books start falling into my lap you know and these and i'm just going oh my gosh yes oh my gosh yes oh my god like having these memories of uh, you know, the lineage of the codes of light is one of them. Copper woman is another one. The mist of Avalon. Um, these are books that like really hit me so strong of total, total memory of like lifetimes and lifetimes where I have priestess before. 
That's incredible. So really, this is just you fulfilling your soul's role, just taking on a different body again, but still doing that same work. And you had those memories. You were able to tap into that. Yes. And every single, like all the readings, whether it's human design or the gene keys or my uh, Western astrology, my Eastern astrology, my Mayan astrology, every single reading I've ever had all say I'm doing exactly what I am supposed to do in this life for my karmic resolution, which is to leave a legendary legacy. What an incredible feeling. That's got to feel so good to know that you're doing your microcellular paths work. Like literally every fiber of your being is doing exactly what it should be doing. That's a, that's an incredible feeling. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I, yeah, I just feel so, so grateful also that, you know, being a Gemini, I definitely like dabble into lots of different cultures, you know, so I have, you know, been at ashrams, I have been, you know, to sweat lodges, I have been to ayahuasca ceremonies, I have, um, you know, worked, I, I have been visiting for 14 years, uh, Glastonbury, England, which is my other like absolute spirit home where I also like get involved in many lineages of priestessing there, specifically mostly Avalonian Celtic. And, uh, you know, and then like, for instance, I'm such a bridger. So um, my husband and I created a a book recently, an ebook called the rosary. And you know, I, I shared with you that I did the rosary as a child, yes. but this particular rosary, we made prayers for the decades. One decade is for Mother Mary. Another decade is for Mary Magdalene. Another decade is for White Buffalo Cast Woman. Another one is for the Celtic goddess Bridget. Another one is for the Egyptian goddess Isis. And that is a perfect uh cauldron of inspiration that is part of the lineages that I work with and feel so familiar with. You so know, this is just a different type of rosary experience, you would say. Right. It's a devo- It's like that you can, you can do your devotional prayers, but it's of like all these different lineages. And oh, there's okay. a lot, there's a lot of women who are walking right now that like, are just like keep remembering like oh yeah like wait a second this is so familiar to me um one of my favorite books is uh womb awakening uh that that has become my personal bible like i I was just so grateful when i first read it because it's just like oh wow i don't have to write this it's like everything (laughs) feeling everything that's been moving through me is like right here um, and, uh, yeah, I, I feel just so, so incredible about how, um, blessed and graced I have been that it's kind of just all like been in my lap. Wait till after you graduate this lifetime 
And you get access to the full memories of your previous experiences because you become that higher self again. And then you remember all of that. It's just going to be another profound experience. But what year then did you found the goddess temple? Well, and how did that start? Let's talk about that. Well, first of all, in 1995, I gave birth to my daughter. All right. And that right there was, I didn't, you know, I I know that there's many women who choose not to have a child or can't have a child and um, they can still have such, of course, access to the goddess. But like for me, me discovering my womb in an entirely new way as a goddess temple. Now, um, like when a woman conceives and grows a human in her body, sustains the life of that child, births out of her body that child, and sustains it with her breast milk, there's a I don't think people really get how high of magic that is. It seems incredibly powerful, especially when you put it that way. It really, what I see it as from my perspective, I'm seeing it as housing that higher consciousness, the, the human body, that temple, the mother is housing that higher consciousness while it takes form and develops into the human. You said it was your daughter in this case, but you know, develops into that human so it's so sacred it's so powerful and it's something that is just kind of relegated to normal human functions just part of life but not really seen with that extra perception uh yeah (laughs) i mean it's like yeah it's just so 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 major and so as i raised my daughter i really wanted her to experience the sacredness of being yes a woman and the uh, like an understanding of a magical like seeing life like that seeing life with that expanded consciousness and like really understanding that there's like so much uh you're so good at finding words i swear since i've i'm in menopause (laughs) like (laughs) it is the truth listeners out there once you hit menopause there's just the things that switch off (laughs) that's okay you know you you can fix that with supplements i believe i food can be your medicine i'm a firm believer yes i do it all i swear but um yeah, there's there's something that just happens that really shape shifts in the consciousness okay. when you become a mother. And I, I there's just, a frequency we, shift, you would say. Just something yeah, happens yeah, there. There's, there. There's an absolute frequency shift. And so I and my former husband really wanted to create a sacred space for our child to be raised in. And so he was an artist. He's an artist, a a brilliant artist. And we talked about, and I'm a dancer, right? And so we talked about like, let's create like a community activation center. By this time, the great mother goddess led me to Mount Shasta. 
Wow, yes. So we're like living in Mount Shasta. Wow. Which is a very like, powerful place for listeners. I'm sorry to interrupt, but for yeah. listeners that don't know, Mount Shasta, south of Oregon. Northern, Northern California. Northern California. It's an incredible PowerPoint. A lot of things have happened there cosmically. People talk about UFO sightings. The first channeled book was from someone that had an experience at Mount Shasta. There's a lot of energy happening there. And a lot of sensitive people throughout time have talked about the powerfulness of Mount Shasta. I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you shared that. And I really have to put in a side note because you love extraterrestrial stories. Yes. Um, And then we'll get back to. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that. How did you know? (laughs) Yeah. You must have Gemini somewhere in your chart. Somewhere. You know I'm a Libra, but, uh, you yeah, know. that's fine. That's why. Cause you're an air sign. You're able to di- jump all over the place. Yes. So, and you're able to understand that in me, uh, bless you other signs out there listening. Just be, just fo- follow this story. I know you can. Okay. So when I'm in, sh- <laughs> I'm in Sasta one, when my daughter, when we were there, the first day we were there, she was visited by a ship. Oh my and God. Described, described everything in the morning and it was phenomenal. But what I'd like to share is this is really fun is that I was pretty much beamed up onto a ship and I was at the welcome station and uh, at the like reception desk, we're just going to call it, you know, like I, like I said, we, we don't really have words for these experiences, but I'm just like kind of putting it in words that everybody can understand. And I'm at the reception desk and they have, they put up, they're like, Hey, welcome. And they put up on the, the counter, um, three different kinds of shoes and, you know, and they're like, uh, you have to wear sh- specific shoes, you know, special shoes to be able to stay on the ship. What are you going to choose? And I chose the ones that kind of look like Doc Martens. And I put them on and they said, you're welcome to look around. And I turned around and there was a huge, huge window, like massive. And I looked out the window and there were um, all these fields of food growing, like massive amounts of food. And I turned around and I was just like, whoa, you guys have a farm on your ship? And they said, yeah, this is an ag ship. And I said, what's an ag ship? And they said, agricultural. And I said, oh, okay. And then I went towards this door that kind of looks like a elevator. And the doors opened. I stepped inside. The doors closed. They immediately opened again. And I was someplace different on the ship. And at, when I came out, uh, there was a circle of all these beautiful people playing music. Like everybody had an instrument and, and everybody was harmon- harmonically beautifully playing together. And my friend named Rahael happened to be on the ship and she handed me her guitar. And I was like, whoa, Rahael, thanks. I'm like, you know, I, I don't play, I don't play an instrument. And she said, oh, sweetheart, everybody, like you're on the ship. You can play, you could do anything here. Just play it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just started jamming and I played with everybody beautifully. And then I don't really remember much. The next day, I call Rachel and I'm like, Hey, Rachel, I was on a ship last night. She's like, really? Which one? I'm like, um, well, they gave me, like, they told me I had to, um, choose a pair of shoes to be able to stay. They gave me three different options. And she said, Oh, sweetie, you're time traveling. I, that's the Arcturian ag ship. I was on that ship years ago. 
Oh my God. Right? And I'm like, I love living in Mount Shasta. <laughs> like, this is great. Oh my God. So you had that <laughs> reinforcement. I mean, not that you doubted your experience at all, but then to have that reinforcement, that must have been powerful. Yeah. No, totally. And she's like, and, I, and to even know that we're like all time traveling all the time. You know, she's just like, oh, yeah, that like I was on that ship years ago that like I was oh. actually time traveling from when she was there that time. It was just, yeah, I was so full power. Wow. So full power. So, okay. So now coming back to I'm in Mount Shasta. And my former husband, who is an artist, is just like, hey, let's open a community activation center where I can show my art. You can have your dance classes and we can have an epic place to raise our daughter. And so that's exactly what we did. And it was phenomenal. For nine years, we were called The Flying Lotus oh. Community Activation Center. Nice. and. We and the Abisha Goddess Temple, bridging Avalon and Shasta. Wow, that sounds powerful. Just the name. I'm, I'm so ready to jump in my car and go there right now. My time machine. <laughs> um, and it was right next door. We shared the parking lot with Berryville Grocery, which was like the you know the super hip um, organic natural food store, and it was a total success. And we were like, we went when we were first living in Mount Shasta. Our job, literally, was delivering newspapers. Like, we didn't have a lot of money. We okay. didn't know what we were going to do. And we just knew that we had to be in Shasta. And that's a whole other story, how we were guided to Shasta. And um, we just knew we had to be there. And we went from delivering newspapers to having, like, a fantastic, amazing goddess temple and community activation center that was the hub for everything wow it sounds like it would be just based on yeah. the name but that evolved yeah. in time to the goddess temple it, you would say yeah well yeah exactly and so okay so it's still um, the same place are we are you still in the same location as then no 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 the abisha goddess temple closed in Mount Shasta as well as the flying Lotus closed in Mount Shasta. Oh, right. And, because the uh, goddess temples in Ashland. Yes. I'm sorry. Right, and yeah. And we, 12 years ago, we moved to Ashland and opened the goddess temple of Ashland. So you continued the legacy, the energy yeah. and what you experienced yeah. at Shasta and brought yeah. that into yeah. Ashland. Yes. And yeah. when was that? That was probably about 2010. So, yeah. Okay. So, if we've been here in Ashland 12 years, then we came here in 2010. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So, in 2000, I was just leaving Colorado and I was moving to Mount Shasta. I, I moved to Mount Shasta in 2001 and I was in Mount Shasta from 2001 mm. to 2010. That makes sense. So then did you feel guided to start the goddess temple in Ashland? Tell me that story. How did, how did that all come to fruition? Well, um, really moving to Ashland was all the places I've ever moved in, you know, in the last 26 years have been guided by my daughter. And she was really clear when she was 14, that she was complete with Mount Shasta. She said she was complete with, the mountain and her name and that she was changing her name and she was moving. 
and we're like, okay, because um, her birth name was Shasta. Oh, interesting. And, and so that's a big part of how we ended up actually moving to Mount Shasta was because of her. And um, she, yeah. She, and I said, okay, like, what are you changing your name to? And she told me and I said, okay. And where are you moving? And she said, I'm either moving to France or to Ashland, Oregon. And I was like, okay, she's 14, but raised super empowered and super clear. Like, like, she manifested three horses on her own by the time she was 10 years old. Wow. She was just a, super, a total powerhouse. And so um, I was, we were like, okay. And I, I just said, you know what? Find a family to live with in Ashland and we'll visit you on the weekends because we're never leaving Mount Shasta. You know, and she was like, okay. And she did. She found a family and she bypassed the waiting list at the high school for the alternative program because she's like a brilliant writer and just, yeah, it, it just started, it happened. It just unfolded. She found a single mom who needed help with her boys and she moved in with her. And next thing you know, you know, we're visiting her on the weekends, just like I said. And we were at the farmer's market one time here in Ashland and a couple came up to us and we're just like, oh my God, are you guys moving to Ashland? We really like, oh my God, we need to open up a goddess temple here. We need, we need a goddess temple here. And we we're like, no, no, we're never leaving Shasta. Sorry. <laughs> you know. And, um, and our daughter looked at us and said, hey, you guys, we moved to Shasta to activate the community and the community is activated. So why don't you guys move here and activate our family more? Wow. And, and it was just, you know, it was one of those moments where we we're just like, okay, I guess we're moving to Ashland. Well, she and, had a really good point there. I mean, you did. It uh, seems like you did the work, and now yeah, you had to go somewhere else to do more work. Completely, completely. And so we took it really serious, and it was very, very trying on the entire community. Sixty people moved when we moved, and for Mount Shasta, a town that has two traffic lights. For 60 people of the alternative community to move, that was a big deal. And So um, did they follow you to Ashland? Some of them followed us to Ashland. Others went to Hawaii, to Sedona, you know, did a little bit of vortex hopping. I see. And, um, <laughs> yep. And then the town slept for, for 10 years. The Mount Shasta is just beginning to awaken again with community activation. It was crickets for 10 years wow so you were really holding down the energetic anchor there absolutely Abs absolutely i mean and it was it was rough every time we went to visit people were like we're crying like when are you coming back we really need you please come back and how it's being reactivated is by my priestesses oh great over the years that i have trained priestesses here and those that have chosen to move to Mount Shasta or came from Mount Shasta to have a training and go back, they are totally popping, doing such beautiful, um, uh, you know, all kinds of offerings, ceremonies, events uh, are available to the community to serve. You know, like, yeah, it's really, really, really a, a beautiful, again, what's come to fruition from the seeds that have been planted. Yeah, it seems like the circle is complete. And in a way, it is you or at least your teachings over there. So your your spirit is there, even though you're in Ashland. 
Totally. And I'm an elder, you know, like I'm coming June, I'm going to be 57. And it's like, it's really appropriate for me to be passing the wand, right? Passing the torch, passing the step, passing the sword, you know, this is like, this is the work. And so it's just so, so beautiful, you know, and within all of this move and within all of me, um, you know, choosing to come to Ashland, I really wanted to get back into midwifery because I trained at the farm in Tennessee. No way. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've been trying to get them on the show for months. Oh, gosh. Uh, Try try to get Pamela. Okay, maybe we Um, can talk about that after the interview. (laughs) Yeah, focus focus on Pamela. Okay. Thing. Of course, but they're just as busy as all of us. I but, imagined yeah. that's exactly what it the was, case was. It was, yeah, it was an incredible experience. So I, but I, I, I trained there to be a midwife assistant, and so I heard that there was a midwif- uh, a midwifery school in Ashland, and I got really excited, and I was just like, all right, well, maybe I came to Ashland to get back into midwifery in a bigger way. I was already assisting on birth like crazy, you know, in Mount Shasta and in Colorado, et cetera. But um, I thought, all right, now it's my time to be the midwife and not the assistant. And I prepared myself to visit the school. And when I showed up, there was a sign on the door that said they had closed. And I was really really heartbroken and I literally like went down on my knees crying and I was like oh my god I left my temple I left my community and now you know there's no midwifery school here what am I going to do and I am very close with the goddess Bridget of the Celtic Isles and she comes to me in a very strong way and she said "Grail, you have to start you know you have to open a goddess temple here. And I was like, oh my God, no, it's too much work. <laughs> it's too much work. <laughs> and she said, call forth 19 practicing priestesses. And 19 is the number of, of Bridget. Call forth 19 practicing priestesses and the rest will organically unfold. And and I said, okay. And I agreed to it. And then uh, I had a dream that Ganesha came to me in the dream time, the Hindu god Ganesha. Ganesha. And said, and he was like uh, jumping from shoulder to shoulder, like a very small, like baby Ganesha version. And uh, because I really wanted to find a Catholic church and transform it to a goddess temple here in Ashland. And that I thought that's why Ganesha was coming to help me remove obstacles to find the Catholic church to transform to a goddess temple. But that wasn't the case. Ganesha was like, nope, and showed me a vision of the Ganesha statue at the Jackson Wellsprings, which is an amazing event center and warm mineral springs spa with campground and RV park uh, in Ashland, Oregon. And I thought to myself, what? I had been to a couple of festivals. <laughs> there was Peace Village and in Lakesh used to happen here that I would come to from Mount Shasta, you know, and I and I was like, what? Like, how? What? Like, I just I couldn't see it. My eyes couldn't see it, but goddess could see it. And so I called the office and I asked if I could speak to the owner. And the owner happened to be in the office at that moment, Jerry Lairberger. And I said, hey, I have this vision. I'm wondering if you'd be cool about it. And he's like, let's talk and meet in person. And I showed up 
and shared with him my vision. And my original vision was this goddess temple would be a birth center. Oh, wow. That's very powerful. Yeah. Where women could come and, you know, birth their baby at the altars of an earth, air, fire, water altar. So they could birth like in a Kiva under the ground or out in the air or at the fire or that sounds uh, very intense and powerful. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. Or, or in water. And so he really loved the ideas, but he let me know that we're actually sitting on an aquifer and you dig three feet down and you hit water. So oh. Akiva, <laughs> you know, like Akiva was absolutely not an option. Um, and he said, you know, like, you know, having a birth center is a massive liability. And like, there's a lot more than you could ever imagine that would go into that. And I'm not sure if we're really up for that, but I do want to remind you that you are actually already at a birthing center because the water, you know, people come here to rebirth in the holy waters here. And I really value you and I value what you have, your vision and what you're bringing and what you've done. And let's walk the property and see where we're going to put your goddess temple. Wow. And, whoa. That's like, yeah. Yeah. He said, we've been praying for the goddess to come and here you are. So let's do it. Wow. So, um, we walked the whole area and then, um, at another time, uh, a lovely priestess that came with me from, uh, who eventually moved from Mount Shasta to Ashland as well. Her name is Ruth Rhiannon. It was her who really had the strong vision for it to go in the back meadow at the Wellsprings. Uh, but when I made the walk, I didn't even think about the back meadow because the back meadow was like covered in blackberry, teasel, thistle, poisonous hemlock, trash from a, a former flood that happened that the blackberries, you know, just grew all over. You know, it was just like a massive, massive job, right? you know, to consider the goddess temple to be back there but it actually was in alignment with jerry lehrberger and with the spirits of the, the land it was just like yes this is where it has to go and 19 practicing priestesses uh and volunteers from all over the place came to help us clear space to create an entire goddess temple sanctuary that holds a fairy ring, a standing stone circle that under those stones are stones and bones and leaves and twigs and feathers and land and water that I brought back from the ancient sites in the Celtic Isles. Um, there is a beautiful island with a moat around it and an apple tree called Apple Island. That is our Avalon Garden Sanctuary as well. We have a food garden. We have a fire guardianship circle. We have a womb hut. We have a honeybee village. We have a mikvah, which is a ceremonial immersive birthing pool. We have a red tent. We have a teepee moon lodge. It is a full-on... So it's living, breathing, proper goddess temple. I was just going to say, it sounds profound. It sounds like the the vision really came into a form in a really big way. That's I'm still trying to process all the things you just said. That's huge. You should be really 
proud. Not not that you want to have egotistical pride, of course, right? And just like, but you should be really proud of what you've done, like, and when what's come through you and the work that you allowed to come through you by agreeing with it and all the things that you've attracted. It just, it's incredible. It just shows the power of the human mind and, and a person on their path. Yes, I and I, I swear, Jake, it is just like how everything has just come in. It's just everything was donated. The dome was donated from Pacific Domes. The the teepee moon lodge and the red tent was donated from Red Sky Shelters. Everything inside, everything, everything was donated. Wow. I, I'm not a trust funder. I didn't have like massive money in the bank. You know, like we definitely like any extra money I've ever had goes to my daughter, goes to my education and goes to travel. Just furthering your development as it should. Exactly. And this, everything is by donation, everything, 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 everything. And I am so grateful for all those people out there who has helped sustain this temple, who come to work parties, because, you know, if you have this sanctuary, you know, like it takes like, we have to mow the lawn, you know, we have to like, weed the garden. <laughs> we have to like, take care of the altars. We have to refill all the candles, you know, like there's like stuff that we have to scrub the mikvah you know like there's stuff that has to happen every day yes. to upkeep you know and that is all done through seva everything is done through the the absolute devotion to loving and believing and being totally part of a family and it's super inclusive super super inclusive it's held by women all are welcome right and then Five years ago, we, um, for a good, uh, I can't remember for how many years we had a men's circle that every Tuesday we had a men's circle in the goddess temple. And at one point the men's circle was just like, we want our own place. And I'm just like, great. Let me like support birthing you out of here. And we walked to the other side of the meadow and the Oak temple was born and the Oak temple is held by men and all are welcome. Wow. So like you're pointing out the goddess frequency, the goddess energy is open to everyone, man, woman, non-binary, however you identify it's open to you. We do have certain ceremonies that are for people who have working vaginas that bleed and birth babies. There are certain, very certain ceremonies that are for lingam carrier people in male bodies you know and then we have a plethora of other things we have a beautiful queer community we have loads of like a lot of people who identify as we they them like all the pronouns we have creatures we have like just we we do everything that we can because earth is a living, breathing, everything organism. <laughs> right. Yes. And really at the end of the day, we're all living lights. I mean, we're just in these yes. vehicles and that's the light inside of all of it. The living light that we actually are is what you're trying to create space for to have that living light. However, whatever vehicle it shows up in, be able to experience that, that goddess energy. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is incredible. I, I, I want everybody to check this out, but I do have a few questions that I 
that I wanted to ask you about and just really get your opinion on. And because there is a lot of unknowns for people that are coming into this understanding that are getting in touch with the goddess frequency, maybe for the first time, or maybe just recently, or just in this phase of their life. So it's good to talk about certain things. So do you feel that the goddess is the feminine aspect of source? So there's all, there's just the original mystery, whatever that is. And then stepping down from that is the masculine and the feminine archetypes. Would you say that's accurate? In my world, it is, you know, from my direct understanding. Yes. I feel that is accurate. Yes. So then what is the masculine counterpart of the goddess? I've heard terms like God, man, and uh, the God, but is there a divine masculine? Well, it depends on what tradition Right. So like if somebody's walking the lineage of the Magdalene, it would be Yeshua, Jesus. You know, if somebody's walking the lineage of the Celts, it would be the divine consort of the Lord of the Woods. You know? Um So it just shows up in different ways, but there there is this kind of masculine archetype which contains the male essence, I guess you could say, of the divine yeah, which would be God. Yeah, which would be God. God. Right. So you're saying God yeah. and goddess, but then at the your what we're saying in our belief structure, my belief structure, I know I believe this and you're saying you do as well, that stepping back is just source and just all whatever that great mystery is. The all of everything that is indeed. Yes. So here's something I've actually wanted to know about from your perspective and you can tell me are men with a very strong sexual attraction to women misinterpreting their feelings and actually have a strong pull towards the goddess frequency. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I will let you know that at the very beginning of me having a goddess temple, there were some really concerning messages sent to me or men showing up thinking that they were going to have some kind of a sex menu. Oh and I'm God. like, what? You know, like, I'm, I'm like, why would you think that? And then I started to like, you know, in my sweet little ignorance, I started to do some research and it even like back in the day when I was looking for images for flyers for the goddess temple and I would research images for goddess, what would show up were like these pictures of, of, of strippers or exotic dancers and things like that. And I was like, whoa, like, I, I, I swear, like, please forgive my ignorance. I didn't even put it together. I was just like, oh, okay, whoa. And then I started to dig a little bit deeper. I started to dig deeper because I had to look at, you know, there's a lot of times we, you know, like shove our head in the sand or are ignorant because of just, you know, our environment, et cetera. Sure. But I knew that these messages were coming towards me for a specific reason. And I was also even recognizing in myself where in the goddess tradition, how like the sex can be extremely sacred. And like, wait a second, duh. Right. Yes. And even at 
time, I was starting to really have the understandings of spiritual intimacy, which my husband and I are uh, really loving teaching a course in spiritual intimacy through dance, um, where it brings the sacred to being a couple and bringing that sacred foreplay into your sexuality. So you're, you're actually praying before, during, and after your lovemaking. And to come back to where I was going with my confusion around them thinking that, okay, we're all just like tantricas and we're all like, that's all that priestesses do. It's temple priestesses of Isis. You know, the original priestesses of Isis were sacred sex priestesses. But this is like such a deep, deep rabbit hole to get into. Yeah, I'm sure we could do three podcasts on that one. Three podcasts on that one, exactly. <laughs> and so, and then we could even talk about, okay, what is sacred prostitution, right, et cetera. And there's like this whole thing that also so much basic human psychology goes into. So it's like a really, really large rabbit hole. Sure. And I would love to just like kind of pinpoint that the goddess temple that I have always worked with and the two goddess temples that I created are not about anywhere in either one of them had or has a sex menu and that we do absolutely, uh, are available and promote bringing the sacred to the mundane in everything. Yes. Everything. And these, like, this brings me to, like, my training of midwifing the veil. This is teaching priestesses to be present in a very empowered, clear, holistic way for childbirth, first blood, divine union, marriage, parenting, divorce, sovereignty, death, and rebirth. Yes, the nine sacred gateways that you talk about. Yes. Yes. So when, you know, being available for all of that is, you know, much much more than, you know, people making an assumption that, oh, because I'm or the women that I train as priestesses are tantri- only sexual tantricas. Yeah, there seems to be a misconception there. But really, like, let's say you're a, a male and you're a spiritual person, but maybe you're on the younger side and, and you have this this drive, you know, you are attracted to feminine energy, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but perhaps some people, could they be misinterpreting that? And, and instead of actualizing that attraction with physical interactions with women, take it a step further and pursue, well, why am I so enamored with feminine energy? Could it be something more? You think that could be a possibility? Yes, I think it could be a possibility for sure. Um, and what's also has 
grown out of that same curiosity and direct experiences is that my husband holds a program called Guardians of the Goddess. Oh. And that happens every May 5th to 8th. And that Guardians of the Goddess really assists men who are very attracted to the spirituality of the goddess and the goddess temple and you know the rituals and basically the whole culture of it and give some guidance in that to get it very clear in what it is you know to take a look at your own chivalry and the look at your own beast yes and and really get those in get it balanced you could say yeah yeah but why do you think over time, over human history, why has the goddess and the goddess frequency been subjugated or repressed in Western society and Western culture? Why is the goddess so threatening? <laughs> well, one, we have to look bigger, bigger picture. Bigger, bigger, big picture is we were in the age of Pisces. And in the age of Pisces there, it was necessary for everything to turn to the masculine. and. The feminine is just like, you know, it, it's the, the empowerment is beyond measure. Naturally, it's just naturally the empowerment of the earth, mother, feminine, life force energy is more powerful than anything. Right. And, and still, you know, we look at, you know, germ warfare and control of weather and everything else. You know, still, she'll she'll shake and rattle, and destroy. She'll she'll blow her top and destroy. You know, she'll you know tidal wave and destroy. You know, um, there's there's just like there's no escape. We don't have any escape from her innate power. And women are like you know people born with female bodies identified at birth you know, as like women hold an essence, you know, Yogi Bhajan of uh, uh, Kundalini Yoga. I remember years ago, because uh, another like sidetrack, of course, I was Kundalini Yoga instructor at one point. And um, he means that like women are so much stronger. So like, I, I can't remember how much, but it's like, it's not, stronger in that we could like lift cars better it's that like to be a mother to grow a child and birth a child the the strength in that the emotional strength that it takes to grow a child birth a child sustain a child's life is so indescribable and that power of the feminine is yeah just really frightening to many who have a need for control and do you think that those people were also programmed maybe by religious paradigms and just have this innate fear of the feminine i mean you could step it back to the adam and eve story for god's sakes but you know like uh there's just just an innate fear that perhaps 
women will destroy things or women will ruin things as so many millions and hundreds of millions of people have been programmed by religion over the centuries. Yes. But, and I will say, you know, like when I mentioned the goddess as generator, organizer, destroyer and rebirther, it doesn't mean that like women wouldn't destroy things, but there's like an entirely other set of consciousness. Like, the destruction is more about like destroying what no longer serves and then rebirthing to bring health, vibrancy, not destroying things to create more poison, more insanity, you know, right. more yes, it's a natural Ill- process. I mean, this is just natural right. what you're talking about, right. but it's right. just what religion has done. And yeah. I don't think, is any religion innocent of this? Maybe Buddhism? I'm, I'm not even sure, but it seems like women have been oppressed in these religious beliefs. They've been subjugated yeah. to lower lower roles and, and treated in an awful way, I feel like. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I recently, there has been so many people that, have come into my life in the last couple of years sharing with me their stories of sexual abuse and, and sex trafficking uh, and just, you know, and it, and of course not just women, men right. and women um, have been so subjugated to so much. Yeah, it's hard. So I'm much. sure. I'm sure it's hard for you to process it's, those it's so- stories as a spiritual person. Yeah, it's so hard. And and I, I want to, you know, have really strong, expanded consciousness in knowing that we all are part of co-creating our movie and we all have our incredible karma to work through. And we all have the reasons why we are in situations to learn deeply and find the jewels in the treasure chests of life's experiences and I, I I just continue to be pretty amazed at the insanity that still exists at 2000 years later like like what it is like how is this still happening it, it's very hard to process sometimes I jokingly tell people if you look at humanities as if it were like a, a stock or something you know and you see the chart humanity's stock is going up over time but there's a lot of dips in that that really held us back and you look at 2022 and especially people that are listening if you start to activate yourself you start to teach yourself and you start to get this knowledge and you raise your vibration it becomes even more disheartening looking at the world around you yes you're able to process and understand it with that higher knowledge but still it's like come on people can we get to the united earth already can we get to the earth where we're loving each other and treating each other in the way that we should worldwide like why aren't we there yet it's hard it's hard to process sometimes yeah i completely Well, tell me about uh, the path of sacred living. So this all comes back to this. This is just the path of sacred living. Tell me about this. Okay. So the path of sacred living came forth when I had the recognition. It was actually an amazing woman named Nikki Lee that really helped me quintessentialize 
because you 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 can tell like my hands in so many honey pots yes you know and i have like all this to share and i'm so creative and it's constantly streaming forth and i offer this and i offer that and i offer this and i offer that i mean if you look at like the on my priestess grail website about the amount of offerings i do everything from folk dancing to catching babies you know and Um, you know, like, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what is, you know, and Nikki was like, you know, Grail, you walk the path of sacred living. That's what you do. It's just what, who, that's what you embody. That is what it's all about. And you've got to get this message out. So I wrote a guidebook and this guidebook is a self-initiatory guide to how this is just part of your life that you're not like going away for a weekend retreat and then going back to your normal life it's just like no like your life becomes your life just becomes everything about it is walking this path of sacred living and you know within that you know many are called to the path of priestess but Yet few truly understand the strength and the devotion it takes to serve and protect and provide for the goddess. You know, this, this path is for the brave. It's for the compassionate. It's for the ones whose hearts that really resonate in the land of the primal. Like, who are you? Are you a frontliner? Are you a nurturer? Are you a mystic? You know, like these, like in life's adversities, when you are faced with like, you know, a forest fire in your face, when you are faced with a riot going on, when you are faced with a serious drought, when you are faced with a community conflict, like, who are you in it? Are you a frontliner? Are you a nurturer? Are you a mystic? Are you the one to like just go straight to the front lines and protect the water? Are you the one that's like there to feed and water? the frontliners are you the one that actually just like stops everything and drops and goes to your altar and prays for hours does your mala does your rosary lights your candles does your practice to pray for what is going on because there is something going on everywhere so how are you devoted to the sacred elements for without which we would not be right How are you a gateway guardian? You know, so this is all part of the path of sacred living of like your self-realization of like, okay, like I'm just like not here to sit on the couch and pick my nose and watch TV. You You have a different purpose. Like for people that are feeling that it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like when you have these wake up moments, like the path of sacred living, like really helps you to direct like, okay. And that's where priestess college comes in. It's so cool. I mean, I can't even begin to describe what it's like to have these women for 13 days straight, 10 o'clock till 10 o'clock at night, 10 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, fully immersed, sleeping together, eating together, praying together, playing together, planting together, dancing together, you know, singing together, like so, so powerful that the fall is for 13 days. The spring is for 19 days. 
Yes, and that's starting April 15th. That's actually coming up fairly yep, soon. Exactly. Yep. And so I'm super excited. We have an amazing group of women. Um, we also have uh, the summer for three days. And we have the winter for nine days. So we have a 13-day, 19-day, three-day, and nine-day programs. That And they're all totally different. And it's just beyond enriching to be in person, like a proper, you know, like the ancient Druid colleges where you just are immersing it. You're living it. It is just, it is, there's... There's nothing separate from it. And you get to walk away with skills of the priestess arts that just can be infused in the practicality of your life because it's a very practical training. I mean, I have girls in there who have never built a fire, don't know anything about chopping wood and carrying water, have never planted anything in a garden, you know that don't know the first thing about anointing someone before ceremony, don't know anything about uh, the, the, the very, very basics of holding a ceremony, right? And to be able to do this and have practical practice while we're there, because we also at all these trainings have the opportunity to work with the community, you know, at fall, we have a beautiful sowing ritual that culminates at the end of the fall training that our priestesses gift to the community at large. And at spring, we have our belting. We have a five-day belting gathering. Wow. So this is actually stuff where if people want to further this knowledge, they feel attracted to it and they feel resonant with it, they can look deeper you provide that space i well i guess this is the part of the show where we tell people where to find you and they can find you at the goddess temple ashland.com that's the first place that's the first place the second place priestess college.com the third place priestess grail.com yes and then of yeah. course midwifing the veils.com now, the site Midwifing the Veils right now is primarily set for from our training in Guatemala because we used to do the training in Guatemala. We did a 22-day training in Guatemala. <laughs> um, and that one recently um, is taking a rest because my co-director is getting married and she's uh, has her life is going in a, a many other incredible pathways. Uh, she holds priestessing the, the paradigm shift. Oh. And um, Laura Carmody, she's an amazing, amazing woman. She's my co-director for Midwifing the Veils. And, uh, but we're going to be actually bringing that whole training online together. Nice! Uh, as well, as well I, I will still continue to have the nine-day training in Ashland, uh, but the larger 22-day training and more will be an online program, uh, which I've been incredibly resistant to. Um, I have really um been highly challenged by uh the zoom culture a, yeah like for, for, like you know become a priestess online in a three-day weekend workshop kind of thing online 
I've been, yeah, super, super. Um, it's hard because the physical energy, not to interrupt you there, but it's hard. I, yeah. I get it because the physical energy, the group mind, the collectiveness of being at the sacred spot that you've put so much energy into. And that's hard to replicate online. Yeah. Exactly. And that's my primary reason for being like so resistant because there is something that cannot be duplicated, uh, you know, when we are in the depths of ritual in person on the land with our feet in the soil and our arms raised to the stars. Right. Well, what about treefolkmagic.com? Is that still happening? That is absolutely still happening. And that is my husband, Elvray Valandar. Oh, yeah. Yep. And my husband, he's the one that holds also the uh, beautiful Guardians of the Goddess training in May. And Elbray is a certified arborist and he is quite a magical being. Uh, he has definitely walked straight out of a tree. He's also known as Dryad Elbray. And... Wow very very deep connection with the forest amazing and your books of course you can find at priestessgrail.com on the shop page there's books like rosary relating to the rose devotional practice guidebook to the path of sacred living goddess sadhana yoni care wellness guide for the ladies spiritual intimacy for everyone all of yep. that's out there. There's others as well. Videos are there. You can definitely check that out. And Oh, another one. You're a cacao lover. I do You're love cacao. Honoring each cacao. And this is all about oh, yes. priestess, priestessing the sacred cacao medicine. Uh, it is a beautiful guidebook that was created by me and priestess Jillian. And that is super helpful. I was trained in Guatemala at Lago Atitlan uh, to be a priestess of the cacao. And I feel really excited about that book too, because a lot of people, um, you know, are just kind of like randomly buying cacao and doing these ceremonies, but the honoring each cacao book goes really sweetly into depth about, the work as a priestess of cacao. Um, the goddess Sadna, that is a daily practice one too that actually goes with a video that's on uh, YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel also. Oh, and great. That, yeah, that goddess Sadna guidebook goes along with that. And that is uh, strongly based in Kundalini yoga practices. Uh, that is merged with priestess spirituality goddess spirituality earth-based spirituality uh that's linked in with uh, a yoga practice and if people are feeling it and they want to start their own goddess temple you actually have raising a goddess temple book on there you can help people do that i do that book has done so well and helped so many people just you know, you mentioned in my bio about me helping with the goddess temple in Rome, Tempio della Grandea, and Maya Vassallo, the founder and the director of that temple, she purchased my book from the Glastonbury Goddess Temple bookstore and wow. contacted immediately and was just like i totally want to open a temple your book has fully supported me and i want you out here will you please come and i helped raise that temple um in rome as just one of many many temples i will say it's it's a big deal it's a really big deal to 
open and sustain a temple. There has been over many years, I think it's 13 years now, that I've been helping people raise temple. There are not many have remained open because there's a lot of people who talk about how cool it would be to have a temple and how amazing it would be to have a temple. And then they just make it into a business or they are only able to sustain it out of their own house and it can only be their own personal offerings or, you know, like to hold a temple the way that we hold the temple here in Ashland, that it is open to the public to come and pray and play as, as thou will, you know, and to like a sanctuary where people can come, you know, and just be in the presence of divine nature you know, is it's a it's it's different. It's an undertaking. I'm sure it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of commitment, a lot of monetary energy, physical energy. Yes. Help yes. just general help from other humans. Yes. I mean, I'm sure yes. it's a lot. Yes, yes. So I do a lot of mentorship. Well, that's amazing. Well, I do want people to go there to all of the places that we're talking about. Check all of this stuff out. If you're feeling this, if you're feeling this information. Grail is pretty present on the internet. There's a lot going on. It's, she's very easy to find. All of this information is there. You should definitely yeah, go and check yep. this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Priestess Grail, and oh. Goddess Temple Ashland's on in- Instagram also, as well as um, Facebook. We have Priestess Grail and Grail Corsini Valandar, as well as uh goddess temple ashland and i also have an just last night this i want to let me give you before before we complete i want to i want to gift you with like a a, a typical day what happens at the temple sure what what do you mean like it's open to the public (laughs) okay well here we go i live on site i live in a tiny home you know what a tiny home is? Yes, of course. I live in Portland, Oregon. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. I have chosen to live in a tiny home because it is absolutely unnecessary for me to live in anything bigger. My life is spent traveling or outdoors at my temple. Why do I need anything more than a tiny house? I wake up from my sweet little tiny house. I go outside and I get my red, my red wagon. And I have my basket and my basket is filled with various things from food and treats for me or some visitors and my water bottle that's filled with water from Mount Shasta. And I might have some other things that are, you know, it's like maybe we had a cacao ceremony the night before and I had to bring cups home to wash and I put that all in my wagon and then I walk to the back meadow field. I open the gate to the Oak Temple. I have a basic overview on the Oak Temple. Check that there's no like unnecessary fires happening in there because we do have a fire pit. And sometimes people think that like, you know, they could start a fire at any time, but due to being in Southern Oregon and we need to be careful, you know, I just like check on all the safety of everything, right? And I just make sure that the pillows are in line and the benches are in line and just notice if anything needs sleeping. Okay. And then I 
walk over the sweet little bridge that goes over the little creek. And then I walk through the field and, and I go underneath the big grandmother willow that's arched down, creating a natural arch from her branches where weddings sometimes happen and the throne for the king and queen of Beltane ceremony is. And I just tune there for a moment. And then I walk past that and I see our outdoor kitchen and I just make sure that everything's cool there. And then I walk past our big Siamana amphitheater stage where concerts and ritual theater and other types of events happen. And everything looks good there. And then I come through the archway of the cottonwood trees. And the cottonwood trees right now have their buds that are getting ready to sprout their leaves. But those buds have this resin in them that the bees use for the propolis to seal the cracks in their hive. And those buds are filled with antibacterial and antiviral properties and that's my fairy medicine for the morning and i talk to the tree and i ask for which bud that i can have some communion into my mouth with and then i take that little bud that i'm told is good for me and i chew on that while i walk up the wood chip path and i look to my left and i see the fairy ring and i take notice if anything needs a little bit ushering into place there because we have deer, geese, turkey, bear, <laughs> mountain lion, raccoons, uh, ducks, uh, and uh, random hippies that walk <laughs> around at night and in the you know and things sometimes get pushed out of place. And so I put those altars in place and then I say hello to the big grandmother maple. I go over to the guardian fire circle and make sure everything's cool and safe there. Uh, and then I walk over to my right and I go on to Apple Island. I say hello to the apple tree. I make sure there's an offering of an apple to the deers there because our tree has not yet yielded fruit this year. Of course, it's not apple season. And but I like to leave apples for the uh, deer in the morning. I check on the nettles patch. Maybe I want to get a little metal sting in my hands for a bit of activation for the day. And then I come out of there and I leave my wagon on the side of the geodesic dome. I unlock the door. I come in. I turn on the spiral ceiling light and I light candles on the altar to bridge directly with my Avalonian family and Glastonbury. And I light a candle to make direct connection with my family in Mount Shasta. And I light a candle to make any, like whatever prayer that is happening, like what's alive for that day. And then I go back outside. I check on the red tent. I check on the moon lodge. I check on the honeybee village. I check on the mikvah ceremonial immersion pool. What needs to be clean there? Okay. Everything's cool. Copacetic. I come back and then I'm present for the rest of the day for visitors. It's wow. either me or another temple, Melissa. And uh, Melissa is a Greek term for honeybee, one that serves the queen bee, which is the goddess. And me uh, by myself or another temple, Melissa, is there to serve as people come and go throughout the day. 
yesterday we learned about one of our priestesses, Jada Rain, went into labor. Wow. Congratulations, Jada. Yes. She had a beautiful baby girl at home in the water, a breech baby born with two midwives, and she is perfectly healthy, nursing fantastic. But what we do, we have a program called Birth Dancers and Birth Artists. And so, okay, I get notified that Jada Rain is in labor. So me and the two Temple Melissas, Karuna Kay and Antonia Songbird, go straight into birth dancing and birth art. So that means we put on kick and music and we go straight into embodiment and prayer and we act as if we are in labor and we are softening our jaw and oh. we are softening tongue and we are doing deep tones and we are squatting and we are on all fours spiraling and we are toning and singing and midwifing each other sending that d- direct energy towards jada rain that she could receive the support from sisters that we are with her i put i put on notification on birth dancer and birth artist page on facebook to for my global sisters who are in this priestess work as well so globally jada rain is being supported in her labor process of her birth journey with and, this baby and that was just yesterday and the other thing oh, and the other oh, things yeah, just kind of happen every single day that's got to be amazing yeah that's just, yeah, that's just, yeah and then after we're done with our birth dance then i bring out paper and markers and we do birth art and we channel the energy <laughs> that is happening at her yoni whoa and then and and that's just like just that that's just like a day in the life of the goddess temples yeah <laughs> it's just so amazing just, yeah 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 and that's just like the first part of the day like that's just even that's the first part, you know and then people come to visit and then as they're visiting we're counseling this person around like where they're feeling with at in their relationship because we have like some you know like people come like oh my gosh you know i'm in a lot of pain this just happened with my boyfriend how do i deal with this so we're there for counsel right and then uh other people come because they're feeling suicidal oh wow we like Coach them a little bit, kind of pull them out of that frequency. Yep, pull them out of that frequency. Then somebody else comes and says, hey, I really, I'm gonna, I just moved to Ashland. I heard you guys have a mikva and would, I, I, I need to have a rebirthing. I'm in a major threshold in my life right now. Would you be willing to hold mikva ceremony? And then we are there as priestesses uh. to help them go through their three immersions. So, I mean, you know, I can go on and on and on. What, and what on. an incredible role you have, though, because that's like like we were just saying, that's every single day. That's every that's not day. just once a week. That's not once a month. This is every single day and has been since 2010, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Grail, I do want to thank you for being on the show. What an episode. What an incredible episode. <laughs> we have given so much knowledge to people because like we were talking privately there are people coming to this information of all ages for the first time and we have to be there to bring people from the very beginnings of understanding you could say the 101 to use the college reference but really just the very beginning of understanding to the highest point of understanding of where we are at of course we can all we're always learning we're gonna learn more but 
it's an incredible role that we have. Indeed. And before we go, I want to ask you one more question. How does a human in the easiest sense, like the people that are just figuring this out, how do they get in touch with that goddess frequency? How do they maintain that connection? What's the easiest way? By simply going outside, attuning to the earth, inhaling, inhaling deeply to receive the breath, gazing up to the sky, feeling the rays of sun, and consciously drinking water. You just like attune to the earth, air, fire, and water. That happens in every day as sacred. This way, when we attune to those elements and the uh, elements within us, earth, our body, right? Water, our blood, air, our breath, fire, our spirit. Right there is the goddess. Right there is generating, organizing, destroying, and rebirthing all the time within and all around us. This connection with the frequency of the divine feminine not only helps us create heaven on earth within us, it creates heaven on earth, period. And that's something we talk about constantly on this podcast, how to manifest that new earth. Well, Grail, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for contributing to our audience of now 122 countries around the world. I can't believe it. I just checked today. Thank you for doing that. And please hold through the outro music. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.